This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, there's a belief right now that roughly 70% of the people who will vote in the upcoming presidential election already know who they're going to vote for. And there's about another 30% that's still up for grabs. But how can you influence that group of people to vote for your candidate? And could you influence people in that 70% group to at least consider the other guy, especially with all of the outside distractions going on right now, like COVID or the social unrest in our country? Jonah Berger is an associate professor of marketing at the Wharton School. His latest book, The Catalyst, How to Change Anyone's Mind, came out earlier this year, and it's a pleasure to have him joining us. Jonah, great to talk to you again. I know it's been a while, but hope you're doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. So you talk about these ingredients in in kind of trying to change a mindset, change people's minds, because one of the things I guess you say is that putting the big push on doesn't necessarily work right now. You know, we've all had experience trying to change someone's mind, Uh, whether it's our boss's mind at the office or our colleague's mind, whether it's a customer or client's mind, whether it's our spouse or our our child's mind. Uh, And we all know it often doesn't work. Uh, And part of the reason it doesn't work is we tend to default to the same approach, which is some version of pushing. We think if we just provide more facts, more reasons, more information, uh, people will come uh, around. Um, And part of the reason that doesn't work, though, is that people don't like being pushed. Right? If you think about the physical world, if you want to move a chair, pushing is a great way to move a chair. Right? You push, it goes in the right direction. When you push people, though, they don't just go along. They, they push back. They think about all the reasons why they don't want to do what you're suggesting, and sometimes they actually do the, the exact opposite. And so what the book is all about is recognizing that pushing isn't going to be effective. Right? Um, uh, we actually need to take a slightly different tack. Uh, I interviewed um, you know, everyone from great salespeople and transformational leaders to hostage negotiators and substance abuse counselors, uh, people who change minds in the most challenging of conditions. And and what I found is across these disparate groups, they all had something in in common. They didn't try to change people by adding more facts, more reasons, more figures, asking what they could do to to get someone to change. Instead, these folks asked a slightly different question. Why hasn't that person they're trying to change changed already? What's stopping or preventing them? What are the barriers or obstacles that are getting in the way? And how could they mitigate or remove those barriers? And so that's really what the book is all about. Rather than pushing, understanding the obstacles or barriers that often get in the way of changing minds and driving action and figuring out how to mitigate them. So then if you can put that in perspective of what we're seeing right now play out in terms of the uh, the election coming up in just a few weeks and and the back and forth and obviously the division that we have seen uh, in our country. So there's a barrier I I talk about in the book called distance. Uh, And essentially, when you ask for too much, people ignore you, right? When you're asking for something too far from where people are, they ignore you. And there's a great study that was done uh, by a a colleague of mine who's a sociologist um, who said, hey, look, you know, if we could just bridge the partisan divide, if we could get Democrats and Republicans to talk to one another, um, people would come around. They'd change their minds. So he actually had a bunch of users on Twitter follow someone from the other party. So Democrats would follow Republican information. Republicans would follow Democrat information. And the notion was that just hearing information from the other side should move people towards the middle. Um, But as your listeners can probably guess, that's not what happened. Uh, This information actually backfired. Even though it wasn't a persuasive attempt, just having information about what the other side thought made people more partisan, not less. And I think a good way to think about it is is we can almost array our opinions on a football field uh, of beliefs. 
So think about a uh, football field arrayed out in front of you. One end zone is the very strong Republicans. Another end zone is the very strong Democrats. Um, and each person can be arrayed in some position uh, on the field. Right. They might be in one end zone or the other. They might be on the 30-yard line or the 50-yard line or so on. And the challenge, though, is there's a range of information they're willing to consider. If there's a pitch that's five yards in one direction or 10 yards in one direction from where they are at the moment, research shows that this falls in what's called the zone of acceptance. They're willing to listen to it. It's within the range of, of ideas they're willing to consider. If it's 50 yards away, though, it falls in what's called the region of rejection. It's so far away that we're not even willing to take the time to listen, to even uh, have the possibility of being changed. We dismiss, dismiss the information out of hand, right? It's so far from where I am currently, I can't imagine even paying attention. And so that's one of the problems that uh, both the, the parties, uh, as well as us individuals who are trying to change minds, have at the moment. Sometimes we're asking for too much. Uh, and so what we need to do is we need to start by asking for less. We need to take big change and chunk it down into smaller chunks switch the field, find the movable middle. I talk about a variety of different uh, solutions in the book, but the challenge is, look, just asking people to do something completely different from where they are at the moment isn't going to work. We've got to move them in the right direction, five yards by five yards at a time, eventually getting to 50 rather than chucking a Hail Mary pass and hoping that it works. So, so then in the scope of what we would normally be talking about during an election, uh, you also have, as I mentioned, these elements like COVID, uh, the, uh, the, the, the delay in getting another stimulus relief package done, the social unrest. How do those components kind of play into what is normally the mix of conversation around elections? And then this idea of, of bringing new information and, and having an acceptance of it either, either way. Yeah, I mean, this is certainly an unusual time. Uh, right. COVID has made things unusual. The fact that people are voting by mail has made things unusual. Um, uh, you know, some of the, the things that the current president has done, while not uh, completely different from what we've seen before, are moving in the unusual direction. Um, and so it's certainly a different time. Um, that said, the psychology of change uh, is very much uh, the same. You know, I'll give an example in a slightly different context uh, of how to apply these sorts of ideas. But there was a doctor, you know, who was um, uh, faced with a trucker who had morbidly obese. Guy was drinking three liters of Mountain Dew a day, um, and so she wanted him to lose some weight. And so the tendency in that situation is to tell the, the trucker to quit cold turkey, stop drinking Mountain Dew completely, right? Similar to a political party who's trying to change a Democrat or Republican's mind saying, just switch to, to our side right away. You want to get big chains very quickly. The challenge is if you tell someone that's drinking three liters of, of Mountain Dew a day to completely stop drinking Mountain Dew, they're going to ignore you. They're going to say, no way, right? I like doing yeah. it too much. And so she took a slightly different approach. What she did is say, hey, look, I know you love drinking Mountain Dew, and I, I don't want to get you to, to stop drinking completely. I know you like it, but go from three liters just to two and fill up one uh, extra empty bottle, fill it up with water, and keep it in the cab of your truck. And the guy complained. He didn't want to do it, but he said, fine, okay, I'll give it a shot. But he came back a month and a half or so later, and he had been able to go from three liters a day to two. Yeah. She was really proud of him. He said, hey, you did a great job. Now go from two to one. They said, oh, I don't want to do it. But then a couple months later, he came back, was able to go from two to one. And then she's asked him to go from one to zero, right? And a few months later, he came back and he had, and he lost over 40 pounds. And he did it not just because she asked for less, which she did. She started by asking for one less rather than three less. But then she asked for more. She didn't stop with asking for less. Essentially, she took big change, three liters of Mountain Dew, and chunked it into smaller, more manageable chunks. And, and product designers actually have a nice name for this. They call this stepping stones. 
Mm-hmm. And why yeah. do they call this stepping stones? Well, imagine you're on one side of a river uh, and someone asks you to cross to the other side. You're using a certain product or service and they ask you to jump to a completely new product or service. If it's so different from where we are at the moment, if that river is so wide, people get scared. Right? It's too deep. It's too wide. I'm gonna. I'm gonna not gonna be able to forward across it. I'm just gonna stick with what I'm doing currently. Right. And so, what great designers do is they chuck in little stones along the way. So now you can hop to one version of product and hop to the next version and hop to the next version and eventually get to the product they wanted to move you to. Right? It takes a little bit more time chunking that change into smaller chunks, but it makes big change much more likely because if we ask too much, if we ask for too much, people completely disregard the message. And that timing element that you kind of alluded to there, I think is interesting if you could play off that for a moment, because in some cases you probably have more time than others to kind of see that change evolve. Here we are in a political uh, a political election season where, at least right now, we've got about five weeks for these campaigns to really make this push to, to gain that that 30 percent vote that's still out there. You know, what I think is so interesting about marketing in today's day and age is both the availability and the um, opportunity of digital data, right? Unlike, you know, 15, 20 years ago, where you kind of knew that there were some set of people, but you didn't really know how they felt. Now we have amazing troves of digital data that gives us a good sense about how a wide range of people feel. And not only do we know who they are and what they're interested in and how they feel, but we can send them different messages depending on where they are currently. So we can really measure where someone is on that football field of beliefs, and we can send you a different measure than your best friend based on where you are on that field, right? And so this is really what a lot of smart campaigns have done, whether you take the Brexit campaign uh, of a few years ago from uh, the UK, um, uh, working with Cambridge Analytica and others, and there were some issues with what they did. Um, but but leveraging that trove of Facebook data for, for insight. Same thing with what Obama and Trump and other campaigns have done before by leveraging that, that digital data. And so I think we have to do it correctly, right? We can't leverage data in ways that aren't allowed. Right. But there's so much data out there that if we can extract insight from that data, do that rich customer listening, um, uh, social listening that we can do with social data, and then turn that into targeted messages, yes, we can't change everyone's mind in, in five weeks. But we can certainly move a lot of people in the right direction and get some people that might be right around that 50-yard line to switch to our side. And and I wondered whether or not that also can have an impact on maybe even some of the harder core issues that are out there, things like immigration and abortion, or are those maybe even, even a little bit further out in the process, do you think? You know, those certainly are further out in the process, but they aren't impossible. I talk about uh, in the book, for example, uh, a canvassing approach called deep canvassing uh, that got a bunch of staunch conservatives to support LGBT rights. Yeah. Right. If we think about it, conservatives are not usually a group that supports LGBT rights, um, but an organization came up with an approach that got them to be willing to move sides on these issues. Because in many cases, people don't actually have an opinion based on their lived experience. They have opinion based on some abstract notion of um, you know, what a transgender person uh, is like, or you know, immigration should be this way because I saw some television ad and you know, it made me think one thing or another. Yeah. Uh, but what deep canvassing does is it really gets down into the weeds. It helps people realize that their attitudes might not be based on real lived experience. And it finds what I call an unsticking point to help people even transition on these tough issues that you might think movement is almost impossible. Great insight, Jonah. Thanks very much for your time. All the best with the book. 
No problem. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Jonah Berger, Associate Professor of Marketing at the Wharton School. That book, by the way, again, came out earlier this year. It is The Catalyst, How to Change Anyone's Mind. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.